Hey friends, Chris Renfro here. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Hope Church. We exist to make and send disciples of Jesus Christ, and our prayer is that this teaching from God's Word encourages and challenges you in your walk with Jesus. If you'd like to find out more or check out Hope Church, we invite you to join us at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. You can find details at hopechurchjc.com. Enjoy the sermon. The closest it could have been would have been Turkey, and that would have been 785 miles away. If it had been as far as Babylon, which is where a lot of scholars think that it would, was where it would have been, it would have been 1,600 miles away. Just so you know, I mean, 1,600 miles is Atlanta to Phoenix. As close as it could have been would have been Turkey, which would have been 785 miles, Atlanta to New York. It's a journey that could have taken a year to two years. And they would have most likely brought with them a large convoy of people. It would have been a long, dangerous journey. And it would have been people who had a lot of wealth and power. These magi who come to give the king what they could give him. But what do you give to someone who has everything? How do you know they were powerful? How do you know they were wise? How do you know they had a large convoy? Because they created enough of an uproar in the city that the king requested to meet with them. And who's this king? It's King Herod. Herod the Great. He was a pretty bad dude. Uh, Augustus, the emperor of Rome at the time, he said, who was the only person that Herod really would have had to answer to, he said... It's better to be his pig than his son. Anyone around him that he became suspicious of was put to death, including his family. He, uh, his history says that when he died, he rounded up Jewish leaders and had them put to death just so the nation of Israel would mourn when he died. Like, that's how bad this dude was. And here come the Magi to a place ruled by a terrible king. And they say, hey, we're here to worship the new king who has just been born. You can imagine the anxiety of the people at that time. So what's the deal with this star? It goes all the way back to it's a prophecy from the oracle of Balaam, that guy whose donkey, he hits it and the donkey talks to him. It's Numbers 24, 17, where it says this, I see him. But not now, I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. It shall crush the forehead of of Moab and break down all the sons of Sheth. And so many scholars believe, just to maybe answer some questions as you think through this story, many scholars believe that the Magi actually came from Babylon, and they had heard these prophecies from Daniel. So in the deportation, there was this time where Israel was taken captive and they were deported to Babylon. You may remember the story of Daniel going and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and all that stuff happened. Well, Daniel went and he was put in charge of all of it. At the end of Daniel, if you read it, you see that he, in Daniel 2, he was put in charge of teaching the scribes and the wise men. So scholars believe that Daniel would have taught them the prophecies that he knew. And at the time, he would have had the prophecy from Numbers. He would have had the prophecy about this oracle of Balaam, this star that would rise. 
but he would not have had the prophecy from Micah because it wouldn't have been written yet about where the king would be born, which Micah says that the king would be born in Bethlehem. So naturally, if they were going, they saw this star rise, a supernatural event, they're going on a journey, they would go to the capital city of that place, which is why they come here to Jerusalem. And they meet with the king and they say, we've seen the prophecy, it's going to be fulfilled, where is this new king? We know that there's a level of supernatural astrology here that everyone must have been able to see including these scribes, including these priests, including these people who knew what was coming. This is what verses 4 through 6 say. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So interesting, verse 5. They told him, this is the religious leaders, this is the, the priests. They're in Jerusalem. They told him in Bethlehem of Judea. For so it is written... By the prophet in Micah, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people. So, who were the scribes and these chief priests? They were the high priest, so the high priest of the nation of Israel right there. And then former high priest, it was a very exclusive small group. It would have been the temple guard. And then it would have been a group of people that had been appointed who had wealth, power, and biblical knowledge. And the scribes were the leading Jewish authorities, the leading lawyers of the day in that time who knew Jewish law, who knew the Bible. And they would have had the entire Old Testament memorized. And isn't it interesting that these Jewish leaders recognized that God's word spoke of the Messiah and they understood that he would literally be born in Bethlehem, yet they did not accept him, follow him, or listen to him. So verses 7 through 10, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly, and he ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent to them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, for they, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest of the place where it was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. So Herod creates this plan to find this threat that's in his kingdom. And it says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. I can only imagine them walking out of his palace feeling so discouraged. Wondering if they would ever find this newborn king. They thought he would have been in Jerusalem, but he wasn't there. They thought everyone would be talking about him, but nobody was. Most of the religious people who knew everything that was coming seemed disinterested. Yeah, they were they said that they were to be born in Bethlehem, but they didn't even know if he was still in Bethlehem. You've got to think, this could have been a year or two years later. And I'm sure they were wondering if, if they were just crazy, if it's, this has all been for nothing. Maybe you felt like there was a time in your life where God showed you something or asked you to do something. And you tried and you thought, man, did I just, did I just waste a lot of time? Did I just waste a lot of energy? But God shows up. It's no wonder when they saw this star reappear that they rejoiced with great joy. They weren't crazy. 
And some of the most joyous times in my life are those confirmation moments that God gives when I've stepped out in faith to follow him and he shows up. So then verses 11 and 12 says, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. So they responded. The Magi modeled for us what a life of true surrender looks like. What a life of a true worship worshiper looks like. So let me ask you this question. What can I give to the person who has everything? The answer is only the things that I can give. Only the things that I can give. I got three things I just want to talk to you about of what can we give Jesus spiritually in this season. The first is my time. The Magi traveled on a journey that took up to two years. It was the original Star Trek, right? Like, that was a joke. And then, all right, cut that out for the next time. But, right, like they go on this journey, this long journey. They spend like all this time. They give two years of their life to go and to seek out this fulfillment of prophecy. And they had such a longing to see the Savior that they left everything behind to find him and to worship him. To travel thousands of miles to seek him out. Hey, what would it look like for you to schedule intentional time in 2022 for you to surrender to Christ to seek him out, and to worship him. Maybe, maybe for you it's, it's finding a church home. It's plugging in to a, a, a church home. It's, it's, it's really giving your life to serve and be committed to and build a faith family. And maybe it's Hope Church. We would love to have you. Like We would love to have you as a part of our faith family. But if it's not, maybe it's another church which you can plug into in 2022 and you can commit that I'm going to grow with others. Maybe for you it's to spend more time daily with God in his world or in his word. Just 1% of your day would be 15 minutes. What could God do in your life if he just had 1% of my day every single day? We've put together these daily Bible reading plans. And we've given them out. We gave out like 60 or 70 last week alone. And we've had people asking for them from all over that, that want to dig into the world, Word. And to, so in 2022, we're going to be reading through God's Word together. This reading plan will take you through the entire Bible in a year. And it's about two chapters in the Old Testament and one chapter in the New Testament each day. As you open it up, there's just there's this space for you to journal. Like, what's one thing that God taught me? What's one thing in His Word that I can write down? What does it say and what does it mean? And then what is God telling me through this? Like, what is God speaking into my life today? And then the D is declare, pray, God, would you make this happen in my life? 
Listen, I started reading this as soon as they came off the printer and as soon as I had it. And God has just been, man, just really been speaking to me in the past couple of weeks through his word as I've already started going through it. Just last week, I read this in Amos 8. And it, man, it's just, it's just so convicted and so challenged me. Amos 8, 11 and 12. This prophecy that, that Amos tells the nation of Israel. He says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I'll send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the word of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from east to west. They shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. And as I read that, I was just like, God just convicted me. That Amos is, he's telling the people of Israel that because they had repeatedly rejected God, they would no longer be able to hear the word of the Lord, and in its absence, they would find that it was the most precious thing that they had. And God just spoke in my heart and said, man, I, I want to be open to and to listen to the word of the Lord. I want to obey it. I want him to speak loudly and clearly in my life that I would recognize and appreciate how precious the word of the Lord is. And that happens when we spend time with him in it. What would it look like for you in 2022 to spend time alone with God and to let him speak through his word in your life. Maybe it's getting plugged into a mission trip to serve with us in Puerto Rico. Or we just announced last week that we're going to be planting a church out in the Buford, Sugar Hill area. Maybe it's helping them and serving alongside there or, or serving in an outreach with restoring dignity or foster care or adoption ministries that our church has. Maybe for you it's just plugging in and serving in Hope Kids or coming and jumping on our team and doing set up and tear down or using your gifts or skills to serve in the church. Maybe it's spending time with your family, helping your kids memorize scripture, read the Bible, do a family devotion together. Maybe this year, I'm going to actually live on mission. I'm going to actually share the gospel with somebody. Like, I'm going to tell somebody about Jesus this year. But what would it look like for you to give God your time? Something that only you can give him. When my perspective, my priorities, and the posture of my heart all align in recognizing who Jesus truly is, he becomes the central focus of my time. So what else can, can I only give to the one who has everything? The second thing is the things that I value most. The Magi came and they freely offered to Jesus the things that they had that they valued we see this gold and frankincense and myrrh. In your heart, what do you value more than anything else in this world? Can I tell you a hard truth? That's the thing that Jesus wants. That area is what Jesus, of your life, is what Jesus wants you to surrender to him. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's, it's fame or power or recognition at work or next, next promotion or my freedom to do whatever I want to do and to relax. Maybe it's comfort. Maybe it's that boyfriend or girlfriend or I just want to be married or I just want to be in a different season of life or I just want kids or whatever it is. Like That's the area that God wants you to surrender to him. Matthew 2 is ultimately summed up in this. 
What does Jesus want that only I can give? This is lastly, my affections. My heart. Matthew 2, in the story of the Magi, it's a story of worship. And all throughout the Christmas story, we see that those who recognize who Jesus truly was, they worshipped him. The angels worshipped. The shepherds worshipped. Mary worshipped. And here we see these wise men worshipped. John Piper said that the essence of worship is wanting. The essence of worshiping Christ is wanting Christ more than you want anything else. And every person has three choices in response to Jesus. We see that Herod hated Jesus. So much so that when he found out he had been tricked and that the Magi went on and they went home a different route, that he had every baby under three years old, every male baby under three years old, killed. He hated the thought that a new king would be coming. And you may know of or hear about or maybe you feel or experience in your own life this hatred towards God or this hatred towards Jesus. I mean, the grace of God is that is that even in our hatred, that even in our sin, that even as far away as we could possibly walk, he still loves us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some people have an indifference towards Jesus. The religious leaders Isn't it interesting that those who recognized Jesus and worshipped Jesus were those who had a limited knowledge of him and they came from hundreds if not thousands of miles away to meet him while those who knew about him were right next door and didn't even take the time to go see if it was truly him. And maybe for you this past year or 2020 or COVID or all the things has just led to a intentional indifference. One of the largest populations that's growing in our country right now is those who call themselves non-theists. Just nothing. The nuns. I don't, I don't agree with or identify with any religious group. But one of the few things that's worse than being directly opposed to God is being indifferent towards God. I was just reading in Zephaniah in our Bible reading times. We're going through the end of the, the Old Testament in his Bible reading time, and this is what Zephaniah 1 12 says this prophecy at the end or at that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Maybe you just feel like you're in a season of wandering, of waiting for what's next, of indifference, or I'll figure it out in the end. But the reality is. Christ wants our worship and he wants our hearts and our hearts have to be fully committed to him. You can have a hatred towards Jesus, you can have an indifference towards Jesus, or you can worship Jesus. And the Magi worshipped. The fact that it was people who were, who were some of the least expected 
who were religiously, politically, nationally far away from God. They were the recipients of the good news and the great joy that is for all people that we talked about in Luke chapter 2. So what should I give to the one who has everything? Everything I have. Everything I have. One of my favorite authors, Leonard Ravenhill, he said, The price is high. God does not want partnership with us, but ownership of us. I was just reading an article this last week of uh, one of the current bachelors, I guess, on the, the Bachelorette. Is that a thing or the show? I don't watch it, but I just saw an article that popped up. Current bachelor's name was Colton Underwood. And he said this, he said, um, he said, my relationship with God right now, to be honest with you, is the best it's ever been because it's on my terms. Hey, listen, that can't be any farther from the truth. If your relationship with God is on your terms, it's not a relationship with God. Like, God wants ownership of us. He wants everything that we have, and it can't be on our terms. The wise men had just a moment with Jesus in human history, but it changed their lives forever, and they would be remembered forever for the worship that they gave him. They gave much time, but they gained much joy. Their pockets were lighter, but their hearts were fuller. Their knees were sore, but their souls were healed as they worshiped the Savior of the world. And the fullest life is the life that is given fully to Jesus. In this Christmas season, Hope Church, can I just challenge you? If you've never surrendered your life to Jesus, if you've never given him all that you have, what's holding you back? That is the fullest life, the life that's surrendered to him, the life that is on his terms. As he said in Matthew 11, come to me all you labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. But it's only at that point in our lives when we come to recognize our sin, when we come to recognize our desperation, when we come to recognize our own weakness and we come to him as the true king and the true true one who deserves everything that we have that he saves us that he works that he changes our lives and changes our eternities and you may be here today and you may feel like the worst sinner you may feel like you are too far gone you may feel like God can't change you can I tell you he can no one is too far from God No matter what you've done, no matter your past, no matter what you will do, God wants you. And he wants you to worship him, to come to him, to say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I know I need you. Will you change my life? Will you save me? Would you pray with me? Jesus, can we learn from the examples of the Magi today who came far away to come and to worship you, the true king, the one who deserves everything. 
Lord, if there's anyone here today who doesn't know you, who's never surrendered their life to you, who's never experienced the life and the peace and the joy that only you can give through a life surrender that's on your terms, Lord, I pray that they would hear the gospel, they'd hear of your love and your grace and your forgiveness. I pray that you would change hearts and change lives and start with us. Lord, I pray that Hope Church would be a light in our community, that we would show the love of Christ, that we'd show the gospel, that we'd speak the truth of the word to a world who does so desperately need to, that hates, that hates what you've done, that hates who you are, that shows indifference to you. And Lord, that, that we'd recognize that it's only in you that we can have full life and peace. Lord, would you remind us in this season, today and this week, and as we get ready to go into Christmas, would you remind us that you love us, that you care for us, and that you are the fulfillment of the promise all the way back in the beginning of the word in Genesis 3.15. So that through you alone that we are saved. That anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I pray today, if there's anyone in this room who's never surrendered their life to you, that today would be the day they admit and confess that I'm a sinner I need you and that they would worship you and you alone as their king in Jesus name Amen